Hey everyone, welcome or welcome back to the Quaybog Church podcast. At the end of this episode, take a moment to subscribe to our YouTube channel or check us out on Facebook. That way you'll have access to fresh content every week. But most importantly, we hope the following message inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey because our mission here at Quaybog is to help you worship, connect, and serve. Enjoy! Well, today I want to talk about what Christians should do when people show up in their town that are in the country illegally, because this has become a a serious topic um, before, right? I mean, most people are watching this stuff on the news and it's happening down at the border, but now they have busloads of people literally showing up in their towns and cities are just busting, they're receiving them, right? They're being flown into cities and those cities are just busting them into small towns all over their states. And now it's happening right here in our area. So as I begin to have more conversations about this stuff and talk with people of differing opinions about these things, I thought it would be good um, just to give us some things to think about. Now, I want to caution you, this is not a black and white answer. This is not the solution that I'm trying to present. I'm trying to add to the conversation in a way that I hope is helpful, particularly for those that would say they're Christians, right? Like how how should we handle when people show up, again, in our towns that are in our country illegally? Uh, a couple of things to consider. Some of these people obviously are coming from, from some pretty bad places. They are, <laughs> people have worried, hey, we don't know what kind of vaccines these people have. We don't know what kind of sicknesses they have. We don't know if they're criminals, right? I mean, that's your fellow American uh, anyway, sometimes, right? Um, so just also something to think about. Not that it's invalid to, to ask those questions, but a lot of these people, though, are in some pretty bad situations. Uh, sometimes they've just been lied to that, you know, everything's just going to come true and everything's going to be great, uh, where sometimes they are being taken care of, but other times they're not. Um, they're just being like left to fend for themselves, and sometimes they're just laying on the streets and then local economies right? Very, this is very real. Local economies are struggling to figure out oh, how are we going to absorb these people. Um, even more difficult, perhaps, is how, how do our local schools accommodate students, children that uh, don't speak any English at all? You know, maybe they speak French Creole, or maybe they speak Spanish, or maybe they speak some other language, and now they're here. What do we do with them when we have nobody trained to speak those languages, right? So they're very real-world problems that are showing up in all of our towns, And so again, not a solution to the problem necessarily, but just trying to add to the conversation about how we think through this issue with these people. So to answer that and to just, again, provide a little bit of thought for this is I'd like to take you to a little book in the New Testament. Um, It's uh, called Philemon. It's a little forgotten book usually. Um, It's in the New Testament written by Paul, the Apostle Paul, and he's writing to a slave owner named Philemon about a runaway slave named Onesimus. So a little background kind of culturally here, what was going on in in the world at that time, right? Like what was happening in the world of early Christianity. So Christianity, you got to remember, this is the cool thing about Christianity as it relates to today. Uh, It arose in a very complex, dangerous, real-life, tension-filled setting, okay? So there were many conflicting religions and philosophies and ideas that contributed to how people viewed right and wrong and how 
people viewed what was acceptable and not acceptable just culturally, right? And so a lot could be named or justified in the name of a personal God, you know, like good or bad. And so there would, again, a lot of pluralism, a lot of morality up for grabs, a lot of issues that were happening, civil rights, human issues that we would say today. What's cool about Christianity is in a very slow, methodical, and messy way, Christianity met the challenges of its day. Um, and it did it through not having a platform at all, right? Zero influence, uh, looked at as a dangerous cult, no less. So Christians, what they did is they they claimed that their faith in Christ brought a totally new way of thinking through all these issues. They Everywhere that Christianity went, there was a new sense of morality, and often social justice did go with that because they thought, well, if these people were created in the image of God, and if Christ died equally for all people, and there there's this new ethic that there is no slave, there's no free, there's no all this and that, then, well, what do we do with that, right? Like, how do we actually live that out? And so that made a big difference in the lives of people and the way they interacted with the world around them. So... In this book, Philemon, in Onesimus's case, right, he's the runaway slave. It was pretty dire given the world that he lived in because for runaway slaves, the penalty was severe. So although the, the government, the Roman government, did officially recognize the value of human life, many masters could be pretty severe with their slaves, especially if they broke the law and ran away. Also, in Onesimus's case, this is a very public thing for the church, right? Like everybody knows what's going on with this runaway slave that's showed up in the care of, of the Apostle Paul, no less. So the issues are very real. And here's what I'd like you to consider as far as far how is it, as far as how it relates to this topic. So Onesimus had legitimately broken the law. I mean, there was no two ways about it, right? Under Roman law, he had run away and he'd broken the law and he needed to be held accountable for that. So what did Paul do, right? Here's Paul in prison and somehow he makes this association, this connection with this guy, Onesimus. So remember, okay, and then also pair with this, the apostle Paul is also the guy who wrote the letter to the Romans, which we have as the book of Romans in the New Testament. In Romans chapter 13, he goes into pretty de good detail about how we need to obey the law of the land. We need to be submissive to the government that God has placed in charge. So here's a guy that absolutely believes in the rule of law. And he finds himself, though, in this really tricky situation, right? He's got somebody that's there illegally now under his influence. What does he do? So what I love about this scene here and about this little book is that Paul ministered to this runaway slave, right? With this law-breaking runaway slave. And it's like Onesimus gives his life to Jesus because Paul did that. And so Paul pours into this guy and he wants him to understand the real value of who Jesus is and how that affects Onesimus's life. Like first and foremost, Paul understands that with his relationship with Philemon, right? Who's writing the letter to, and this new guy, Onesimus, like it, it there, that Jesus has to be at the center of that first. Like the law is important to Paul, obviously, and to God. But first, it's like, you know, well, what about this person? Because people matter. And I think that is something that's a genuinely Judeo-Christian ethic that we we have to consider in all these diff very difficult conversations, uh, that people matter, that they're made in the image of God, 
that Christ died for them. So if we begin from that and then let our um, our conversations work out from there as Christians, especially, right? It's going to change how we do this. So Onesimus is not just off the hook though, right? Because Paul says, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to walk alongside you. I'm going to introduce you to Jesus. You're going to give your life to Jesus, which is awesome. But I'm going to also encourage you to go back. I'm going to tell you that you need to go back to Philemon. You need to obey the law. So he even uses, Paul even uses this occasion to, when he writes to Philemon to say, hey, look, so um, in kind of a, a low key way, he's like, all right, so Philemon, this guy's a brother in Christ. Remember Philemon, you're a Christian. Remember how we're all created equal? Remember how Jesus died equally for all of us? I think you need to accept this guy back as a brother, not as a slave anymore. So Paul, again, he's 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 going after slavery even, <clears throat> even though he's saying, hey, there's accountability. Hey, he's coming, bringing you back. Hey, I'll even pay you, Philemon, for the money that you've lost or whatever is owed to you. Don't, don't require it of Onesimus. I'm going to pay that debt. Man, how Christ-like is that, right? So, but still, you know, let's obey the law. Let's do this thing right. Philemon, you need to do the right thing. Onesimus, you need to do the right thing. And so Paul's theology as a Christian um, really helped create an environment where he could do that with both Onesimus and Philemon. So he pushed him to do the right thing while also expecting Philemon to do the right thing. But it all starts with Jesus. And then a little bit later, you see, well, not, not a little bit later, but in another book of the New Testament, a letter to written to Christians in Colossae, uh, here's what we see in Colossians chapter 4, uh, verse 9. I'll read it to you. He says, he is coming with Onesimus, right? So he's sending these people, he's sending this letter, and faithful and dearly loved brother. So that's who Onesimus is. He's a faithful and dearly loved brother who is one of you. He's writing to, again, Christians in Colossae. He's not saying, oh, he's a slave. He's a former slave. Like this guy is a follower of Jesus Christ because that was Paul's intent. That was his heart first and foremost. And now he says, you know, basically they'll give you an update about everything that's happened here. So here's like, here again, here's the connection. Not easy answers, not end all be all, but just as Christianity was born into really complex situations, like a very dangerous and complex world is the reality historically of where Christianity was birthed. So today, we too, we live in a sometimes dangerous and very complex world. And so those early Christians, they leaned into their faith, right? We have a beautiful example, a very sacrificial Christ-like example of not just in the Bible, but like the early, early church, right? Post-Bible. What did those Christians do that were taught by these disciples? And what did those Christians do that were taught by those disciples, right? And then so for the first hundred years or so, how were they wrestling with these things? What were they doing? How was culture changing because Christianity was spreading? Man, like I said earlier, slow and methodical. And they found a way to you to like lean into their faith to really navigate some some difficult things, like really incredibly difficult things. Because at the forefront of everything that they did was Jesus. At the forefront of everything they did was Jesus. And so, yes, following the laws is serious, uh, and, and that's laid out clearly in the New Testament, but but Jesus first, ethic. And that's that's really what was bringing real change. And this is not, again, I say this all the time, but this is not just me saying this. This is not some like, oh, just it says in the Bible. Like, no, like, yeah, it says it by the authority of God in the Bible, but we historically, factually know that these things happened, right? Like, Today, 2,000 years later, it's a different world because of what Jesus started and what his followers obeyed. And that's, man, that, take, that takes bravery. 
that takes real courage to do what they did back then. And, but they knew that, that Jesus first ethic is what would bring real change. And they were right. So immigration, um, not an easy topic, right? Immigration is an incredibly complex, multifaceted issue. But at, at the heart, though, there's people. There's people that are involved here. And I'm not saying we need to be unwise about these things because there's a lot in the Bible about that as well. But I think also we need to keep at the forefront of our minds, if you're a Christian, that Jesus ethic. And as Christians, we don't have to solve these problems, right? We we should expect that the government will do the right thing, right? You see a little bit of flavor of that in the letter to Philemon. But at the end of the day, what's my responsibility? What's my personal responsibility? I have a vote here. It's democracy, right? All those cool things. But first and foremost, I want to make sure that I have that Jesus ethic uh, really guiding how I do these things. So let's not, and here's the thing, let's not just demand the law before any grace is given. Um, because what if Jesus would have done that with you? What if he would have done that with me? So here's what I'll leave you with. Um, my challenge for you as you try to figure this out, right? Because again, I'm not trying to give you an answer, just some guidance, just some things to think about and adding to this conversation, hopefully in a helpful way. But I want you to prayerfully seek God to how you should treat the people that are showing up in our town. It's not easy. Um, and, and we're going to disagree on how to do that. But I just know that Jesus gave an, us an ethic to follow. We see it played out in the New Testament. We see it played out in history in incredibly difficult ways. But I honestly believe, and I hope you do too, if you if, if you believe in Jesus, like, you know, he's the creator, he's the redeemer, he's God, he's our savior. If you believe in him, that if you faithfully follow him and live your life the way that he said, and then try to apply that faith in really difficult places, like Christians have for 2000 years, the world is literally a different place because people bravely, courageously apply their faith to really difficult situations. So, just ask God, how do we do that? How do we do that, Lord? So let me say a quick prayer, and then um, I want God's blessing. I really do hope God's blessing will go with you as you wade into the messiness that is life here on planet Earth. So, Lord, I just right now pray for whoever's watching this, whoever's listening to this, God, that you're going to give us guidance. Um, because this, just this one little topic among a billion others that are happening, happening in our world right now, um, they, they do need care. They need nuance. They need people to be thoughtful. They need Christians to really lean into our, our ethic that you gave us, Lord, to lean into this, the, the power of the Holy Spirit to guide us through this stuff. You've been doing it for thousands of years, Lord. God, would you bring that same spirit of wisdom and courage and love um, here to know what to do and how to do it? I pray for our governments demand to figure this mess out, Lord. I pray for wisdom for them to be able to do the right things, God. But for us, those that are just kind of out in the field, so to speak, trying to figure this out, God, give us your wisdom and your courage to do the right thing by you and by these people. I pray that in your name, Jesus. Amen. All right. That's all we got for today. God bless you as you, uh, again, as you try to wade into these really difficult places. See you. Once again, thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's message, we'd love for you to subscribe to the podcast so you get notified of new content every week. Remember, we want to help you worship, connect, and serve. So if you live in the central Massachusetts area, we would love for you to engage with us on Sundays. 
For more information, service times, and details about our children's and youth ministries, visit us at quaybogchurch.org. Have a blessed week.